everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety treatment. So thank you all for joining me today. Um, if, uh, if you are new to the podcast, this is a question and answer based show where you can send me questions about OCD and anxiety treatment, um, and I will uh, consider them and likely put them up on a future episode. You can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can send me those questions over there by clicking on the submit a question link uh, there. Um, also, everybody, if you like the podcast, um, it would mean a lot to me if you gave it a, a gave it a review, gave it a like, gave it, uh, and if you not only give it a, a you know five stars, which should be uh, fantastic, um, but if you have some time, uh, write a review. Again, the the more the, the more uh, uh, likes, reviews, all of that, stars, whatever it is, um, the, the 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 more you go up, more the podcast goes up in the rankings. The more other people see it, the more questions, the longer this podcast will go on. So, um, for all of you who have and taken the time to do that, I do appreciate that. It does mean the world to me. So. Today, I, I, today is probably going to be a short episode. I'm going to try to keep it a little short. Um, we are in the midst of moving, which is awful. Um, I, I hate moving um, more than I hate buying a car. And if you listened to me uh, complain about buying a car uh, two years ago, uh, you know how much I hate that. So I hate moving more. Every house I move to, I say... Uh, I'm going to die in this house. It's possible I will die in this house, so we'll see. Um, but on top of that, the the cold has swept through the Foss house, so everyone is sick. Uh, I'm I feel fine. I don't have a fever, but I have one of the one of the worst post nasal drips that I've ever experienced. And it's like every time you swallow. It's like it's like a knife to the back of your throat. It's not my favorite. So um, it, it, at times it kind of hurts to talk. Um, I've done all my prep right before I did this, so um, I, I, so it feels okay. It just might get wonky as the time goes by. So I'm going to just launch into it as best I can. So. There are going to be two questions today. I'm going to try to zippy zip through them. The first one comes from Barbara. Barbara says, I belonged to the Confraternity of Christian Mothers Club and the Altar and Rosary Society over the years, and they are both no longer active. I don't know if I promised to say prayers, rosary, or other things when I joined. Am I still obligated? So, Barbara, this is a great question, and this question is the most um, scrupulous anonymous question I've ever received. If anybody is familiar with Scrupulous Anonymous, they are an amazing group uh, run by Father Santa. I had an interview with him for um, uh, the Faith and Doubt series. Go back and listen to it. He's fantastic and brilliant. Um, uh, Scrupulous Anonymous is a newsletter that's been around since the 70s or something. And people um, send in questions, and uh, Father Santa answers them. And, he, and the questions are very short, and his answers are very short and concise. Um, uh, it was uh, scrupulous anonymous was a, a, a bit of the a bit of an inspiration for this podcast. So it was uh, really exciting to then have Father Santa on uh, all those years ago. So anyhow, so Barbara, on to your question. So. So your question about are you obligated? So my main question is to be obligated to who? 
obligated to the groups, to the Altar and Rosary Society, the, the, the Christian Mothers Club? Are, are, who, who is going to be offended and who is going to hold you to account? Is it those groups? Is it God? Is it your word? And I, and I don't know that. And that's going to be part of, part of the consideration is who's the person holding or person or being or group that is holding you responsible for, for this. The, the biggest thing here that, uh, that, that I would point out is you said, I don't know if I promise to say prayers. So, uh, and that's separate from, you know, from, from when you joined and you say you're no longer active. So if these groups are, are dissolved, to a certain degree, you no longer have any obligation to them. You don't have any commitment to them. If I'm a member of a club and, you know, we meet every Friday, but then that club breaks down and no longer meets, I'm not showing up on Friday anymore. Um, but, I imagine since these are both Catholic groups you're attached to or connected with in the past, they feel more important. So, so to the question of, I don't know if I promise to say prayers, that doubt is where OCD likes to jump in, right? If you're not certain one way or the other, then it's rife for your brain to go, are you sure? Yeah, but are you really sure? Because you, if you're not sure and you make a mistake and you stop saying prayers in the rosary, I mean, then what's going to happen, right? Who are you? You might hurt this person's feelings. You might offend this person. Uh, you might be an oath breaker. You might be a prom. Uh, you might be someone who cannot keep their promises. And that, that all can feel really uncomfortable and scary. But that's where that rumination comes in and trying to figure it out. And, and people will justify that rumination to try to figure out for certain so they can alleviate themselves of that guilt and responsibility or just, quote, do the right thing. And I hear that in that, uh, Barbara, I hear this. So w what I would encourage you to do in this is to accept the unknown about it and make a choice. So you said, are you obligated? And I think obligated is, is that heaviness that OCD is placing on you. What I would actually encourage you to consider is, do you want to continue to pray and say the rosary um, in this fashion, in the way and in the in the ways that the that these various groups had encouraged you to do so. And I don't know how these groups organize, so I can't speak to the, the specifics, but if they had a system of saying prayers in the rosary, if there was um, a, a groups that they prayed for specifically, if there was a method by which they, they reached out to people and prayed for them, if you like that, if that brings you meaning and value, if you enjoy this and it brings you closer to your faith, to your community, to God, then Yes, I would encourage you to do that, not as an obligation to anybody else, but as something that you feel fulfilled with and that is exciting to you. You are the only person who's going to be able to take you off the hook of this obligation. As you said, you don't know if you promised this or not. And I would encourage you not to look into it. I bet you've spent hours and hours ruminating about this maybe even checking things, maybe calling your friends from this and asking them, and perhaps they didn't know the answer, and perhaps you cannot get this answer. So we can let it go. But I want you to decide if you, gen if you want to do it, 
or if you don't really want to do it, that's also okay. If you're thinking, man, I'd rather pray for other stuff. I'd rather do the rosary or, or, or other prayer systems. Great. Then go do those things. But the obligated component, if you're not certain, I would encourage you to treat it as if you are not. And accept that uncertainty. Know that your anxiety is going to try to rope you back in and try to convince you that you were or that you might have been. So, you know, just why don't you spend a couple more minutes trying to figure it out. But if you want to, do it. If you don't want to, don't do it. But then when your brain pulls you back in, remind yourself, I'm doing something different. I'm shifting. I'm doing this thing over here. I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. And resist any of that effort or any of that temptation to question your decision and move on as through action. And through action is also included with inaction, right? Through not uh, praying or not evaluating. All right, Barbara, I, I hope that makes sense. I, I'm not as concise as Father Santa. I apologize, but um, I do really appreciate this question. So I'm going to move on to the next question. It'll be relatively quick. Ah, just swallowed. Hurts. Anyways, all right. This question comes from Pedro. Pedro says, hi, Kevin. Um, I'm already in it. I'm just going to read. It says, I hope you're well. I'm not. Um, they said, firstly, thank you so much for producing such a great podcast. It's such a minute's help for me in my personal situation. I'm, uh, awesome, Pedro. I'm so glad that this could be helpful to you. Um, they said, the real event OC or the real event OCD uh, episode is on my particular heavy rotation. So I would like to ask a question regarding that. He says, can you recommend any tips or steps in thinking or acting on shame that helps remodel it into guilt? I feel that this is key. He says, many thanks and well wishes, P. So, Pedro, thank you so much uh, for this question. This is a good one. Yeah, that the so the Real Event OCD um, episode was a super fun episode if you haven't listened to it before. It's way back in the day. I'm sure you can find it if you just search Real Event OCD. It is the is thus far the only one I've gotten hate mail about. So that's exciting for this little podcaster. But um, one of the things we talked about in it is, is making a shift from shame language to guilt language. So Brene Brown talks about how people who have shame language, or excuse me, how they have uh, guilt language fare better in their life and fare better through the anxiety and sadness and depression and, and anger and etc. than if they dwell in shame language. So the difference between shame and guilt is that shame is that bad feeling you have when you just are something bad. When you are broken or defective or evil or awful, right? It's intrinsic to you. Um, shame, on the other hand, or guilt, on the other hand, is that bad feeling you get when you've done something bad. Now, we've all done bad things. We've all made mistakes. We've all made poor choices. We've all maybe regretted things and wished we could have done things differently. And we, we may feel bad for those decisions, but then shame sometimes grabs onto us and pulls us into this dark hole. And it says, it's not that I messed up. It's that I couldn't help myself. I'm intrinsically awful or broken or disgusting or fill in the blank. And notice that these accusations are personal. It's you are, not you did 
or you made the choice to. It's that you just through and through are. So if you're bad, you can only expect you to do bad things, right? Good people do good things. Evil people do evil things, right? Narcissistic people do narcissistic things, etc., right? Or, and it could be even more malicious. It could be, you know, it could be that, that thought of, I am a predator, right? I'm selfish. I'm, um, I'm, I'm blanking on more awful things, but I think if you experience shame voices, sometimes I do, you know what it says to you. So, so Pedro, one of the things that you can do is to, is, so it's, it's to find this shift is first to catch yourself when you are engaging in shame language. How are you shaming yourself? So this is an active step. So shaming, it's the active step of shaming. Because sometimes we'll get that intrusive thought. But when you grab it and you start doing the heavy lifting for it, and you start throwing, um, you know, bombs at yourself, that's you shaming yourself. And we do this. We get into this dark hole. It's this, it's, I call it the, the warm, wet blanket. It feels natural. It's just kind of what we do. We just settle into it. It doesn't feel good. It, you know, it doesn't feel bad enough to change, though. Right? So it's to catch ourselves when we are trying to beat ourselves up. And, and so step one, call ourselves out. Step two, identify what you did. Was there something that you did or made a mistake about? Or could, or, and then subsequently, what could you do differently? So in this, in this, sometimes we made a mistake and that we need to apologize to somebody. It's healthy to apologize for things that we made a mistake on. Now, there's a lot of discussion about that we could, we could have about, you know, when's the right time to do it? What's the right method? When do you not apologize? Um, that is also an important part of it. But for the sake of our conversation, Pedro, if there's something that you know you did that you messed up on, Catch yourself in your shame, uh, shame spiral, but also point out this is the thing that I did that, that was a mistake by your values, by your metrics, or by metrics. This is where you messed up. We can own that, and we can we can take the right steps towards amends. Again, apologizing, um, fixing in, in the best way that we can, not fully and completely in a compulsive manner, but in a reasonable way. I know that's the, the hot button way to say that, but anyways. Um, and then next is to take action on that, right? Um, and we then consider what is the thing I'm going to do differently next time? Maybe we can't change it, maybe we can't apologize for it, but we can say, you know what, man, I messed up here, that sucks. And I feel bad. And when we feel bad for doing things that we think are bad, it's that, yeah, that's to a certain degree, we should feel that way. Right? If I if I lie to my wife, I should feel bad because that would be breaking a value that I have of being honest. So if I feel bad, I should feel bad. But does that mean that I'm a garbage human? Does that mean that I am malicious and evil? Does that mean that I'm a piece of S or whatever verbiage you use, right? It's 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 all right, here's what I did. And I feel bad, and I'm going to do my best next time to correct that. Uh, 
And then we extend a heaping dose of compassion. And man, for those of us who struggle with shame, that compassion is, is a hard one, right? So th- this is going to be a bigger conversation, and I would love to get Kimberly, excuse me, Kimberly Quinlan in on this, but I know that she is the compassion queen. She quite literally wrote the book on this. So, um, Pedro, you can check out her book on, on more in-depth ways to deal with this. But for compassion, it's how would you treat your best friend? How would you treat your mom in this way? How would you treat your spouse, your girlfriend, your partner in this the point is, is would you just berate them? Also think about this. Think about yourself as a child when you made mistakes. Like think way back to that, that, that little person and when they made mistakes. If they made that mistake in, in now and you were there, would you say, why would you do this? I can't believe it. You're so stupid. That was awful. You're such a garbage human. Would you berate them? Even though you would see that they feel terrible. Or would you get down on a knee, put your arms out, and give yourself this big giant hug? Give yourself this this compassion and say, you made a mistake. It's okay. Let's keep moving. We'll try different next time. We'll do better next time. I'm willing to bet that you'd say the latter. You probably wouldn't berate yourself. You wouldn't berate that child. But for some reason, we think that if we just punch ourselves in the face hard enough, we're going to be better people. Where did we get that stupid idea? I don't know. But this is probably the most touchy-feely I've ever gotten in an episode, short of maybe the poetry episode from way back. But the reality is here, Pedro, is catch yourself being, being shaming Identify what you did that you could do differently next time. Make a commitment to yourself to do things differently next time. Maybe even rope in a friend or two, a loved one that cares about you, uh, that, um, that can help you to stay on track with that and help maybe remind you or gently nudge you into making that better choice. But then lastly, acknowledge that you're human and we make mistakes. You make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. And even though you made mistakes here... Pedro, you're going to continue to make mistakes. Me too. And when we do that, we pick ourselves up and we keep going. In no way is this life going to be an on or off thing. It is It is one step forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. We keep moving forward and we're going to have setbacks. Buckle up. Me too. So it's, anyways, Pedro, I hope this was uh, helpful for you. I do appreciate the question. I'm going to sign off here. I already feel my throat getting worse. So I'm going to get back on that ginger lemon honey tea and then try to... Uh, try to publish this so anyhow everybody um i hope everyone everyone out there is feeling better than i am and i uh, hope you guys are doing well um, we are gearing up for the iocdf conference uh, the online conference it's going to be in november um we are pre-recording and going to put those put our um, our talks I'm, I'm doing another talk with the great and powerful kelly frankie and lauren rosen uh two of the most brilliant people i know um and we're going to be uh, giving a couple of talks we'll one talk and, and doing a group so if you join us for that um, say hi and um, it would be fantastic for you to join uh, so reach out to iocdf.org uh, if you have questions about that they may 
they have scholarships available if, if money is tight, but reach out to them and see what's going on with that. But anyhow, everybody, thank you so much for joining me. Um, please remember that the FearCast does not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about treatment, excuse me, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can f- click on the uh, find help link and there will be some links for you there. So everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Thank you.